On this episode of Real Life Pharmacology, I'm going to cover the second-generation antipsychotics. Second-generation antipsychotics are often referred to as atypical antipsychotics, and this class designation differentiates it from the first-generation antipsychotics, which are less commonly used, and that's primarily due to the um, higher incidence of extrapyramidal and ed movement disorder side effects. Uh, some classic examples of second-generation antipsychotics include aripiprazole, brand name Abilify, quetiapine, brand name Seroquel, risperidone, brand name Risperdal, clozapine, brand name Clozaril, ziprazidone, brand name Geodon, and olanzapine, brand name Zyprexa. The mechanism of action of antipsychotics in general is that they block dopamine receptors. And there's one really important principle I, I think you want to remember with dopamine as it pertains to medication management. When we block dopamine, that can potentially cause movement disorders, amongst other symptoms. And in patients with disease states where we already have movement disorders, like Parkinson's, in that disease state, we actually give more dopaminergic agents. So low dopamine, that means potential for movement-type disorders. Higher levels of dopamine in the brain, that potentially leads to psychotic disorders, hallucinations, delusions, and things of that nature. Understanding that mechanism of action, I think, will also help you understand what the medications, the antipsychotics, are used for. So most often, antipsychotics are used for schizophrenia, bipolar. Uh, you may see it used uh, off-label in acute delirium, uh, potentially aggressive-type behaviors as well. Rarely you will see these agents used for augmentation of uh, depression and or anxiety disorders. Aripiprazole is probably the most common agent I see utilized in addition to um, SSRIs and, and other medications as far as augmentation for depression. As far as uh, schizophrenia goes, I've definitely seen all these agents used. Uh, particularly, I did want to mention clozapine. Clozapine has a life-threatening side effect uh, that requires uh, routine white blood cell count monitoring. That term is agranulocytosis. So clozaril can cause a, a life-threatening drop in white blood cell count, which could obviously leave a, a patient um, prone to infection and things of that nature. Across the board with antipsychotics, I think it's important um, to remember kind of class side effects. And of course, the, the first one I, I kind of talked about in its mechanism of action, uh, these drugs can lead to extrapyramidal symptoms. So these are uh, basically these involuntary movements. You may see it in the, the mouth, the face. Uh, you may see a, a tremor, a shaking, um, those type of symptoms as well from these medications, 
and extrapyramidal symptoms, or EPS, as it's often referred to, those symptoms usually show up pretty quickly upon initiating a drug and or dose escalation. Now, there is a, another adverse effect, um, which is basically these involuntary movements, but these can develop over time and particularly in the, the time frame of months to years. And it's basically this uh, brain adaptation to the dopamine blockade from long-term antipsychotic use. And you, you'll probably hear the, the term TD, uh, which stands for tardive dyskinesia. So that chronic long-term blockade of dopamine can lead to tardive dyskinesia, which is, again, basically those abnormal uh, involuntary type movements. Other side effects that you might see, uh, these drugs definitely can be sedating, and some are a little bit more, some are a little bit less. Um, I would say quetiapine, olanzapine, uh, risperidone are probably a little bit more sedating than something like uh, aripiprazole or uh, ziprazidone. But again, all of them can potentially um, be sedating to their own variable degrees, and this does depend upon uh, dose as well. So that sedative effect, uh, there is also potential for orthostasis, so that drop in blood pressure with position changes um, with our antipsychotic classes. So that might be a little bit more concerning in our geriatric patient population that may be uh, at a little bit more risk of, of falls already. Uh, you have to remember with antipsychotics that they can potentially lead to metabolic syndrome and development of diabetes, uh, obesity, and things of that nature. So periodically, uh, particularly uh, long-term antipsychotic use, younger patients, we have to um, monitor for those risks. So uh, checking an A1C, monitoring cholesterol levels, watching weight and recognizing that in any patient who is gaining weight, uh, an antipsychotic certainly might contribute to that. And this gets really challenging clinically uh, in a patient with severe, severe schizophrenia. We may have to accept some weight gain. Again, kind of depending upon what agents they've tried and things like that. As far as the weight gain goes, uh, olanzapine and clozapine tend to maybe have a little bit higher incidence of, of weight gain. Uh, aripiprazole and, and ziprazidone may be a little bit uh, better as far as that weight gain um, adverse effect goes. One unique side effect with the antipsychotics, in addition to a lot of the others, uh, is that antipsychotics can can cause what's called hyperprolactinemia. So this is elevated prolactin levels in the body. And this can potentially lead to uh, sexual dysfunction, uh, maybe particularly more so in males. But it also can contribute to uh, excessive or inappropriate uh, breast milk production and leakage. So a couple of, of potential um, adverse effects there from elevated prolactin levels, which can be caused by dopamine blockade. 
Anticholinergic side effects um, are possible. These agents uh, do maybe have some mild anticholinergic effects there. QTC prolongation, so you got to think about those patients that are maybe uh, at risk already, whether they're on um, antiarrhythmics, whether we add on um, maybe some antibiotics like the quinolones that could contribute and exacerbate that QTC, or if they've shown that they already have a prolonged uh, QTC interval, uh, they may be uh, at a little bit more risk if we do add an antipsychotic there. One other really rare adverse effect is neuroleptic malignant syndrome, uh, sometimes abbreviated as NMS. Uh, again, very, very rare, but can happen with antipsychotics. And what you might see this um, kind of display in our, our patient as is very similar side effects uh, to serotonin syndrome. So we can have that elevated temperature, that fever going on, um, we can kind of have some hyperreflexia, some, uh, you know, muscle movements, that type of thing, um, confusion, delirium, tremor. You may see some uh, change in, in vital signs as well there. So just recognizing uh, that neuroleptic malignant syndrome can happen um, is, uh, again, very, very rare thing, but something to think about. On the scale of dopamine blockade, uh Seroquel or quetiapine maybe tends to be on the lower end of dopamine blockade. And something like risperidone in the second generation or the atypicals, um, risperidone tends to be a little bit stronger on the dopamine blockade. So how this plays out clinically, uh, like I mentioned in that patient, let's say, with Parkinson's disorder, movement disorder, or somebody very prone uh, to extrapyramidal symptoms. Seroquel or quetiapine at, you know, relatively similar doses may be a little less likely uh, to cause those movement-type symptoms than something like risperidone. Please take the time to support our sponsor who helps keep these educational podcasts free of charge and available for students and healthcare professionals uh, to help learn from. So right after this break from our sponsor, I'm going to cover one of the real big keys that you have to remember in working with patients with mental health disorders. Whether you're a nurse practitioner, nurse, pharmacist, pharmacy student, med student, meded101.com has a growing list of great resources to help with board exam preparation as well as becoming better at medication management and pharmacology. Meded101.com slash store is a fantastic resource you need to, to check out. Again, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. So finishing up here on antipsychotics, I do have to stress the importance of antipsychotics, medication management, and the huge important issue of patient adherence. Patient adherence is a huge, huge problem in younger patients with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and the use of antipsychotics. Number one, patients sometimes don't respond very quickly to these medications. That's factor number one in why patients tend to quit taking their medications. 
Factor number two is they may encounter side effects, and those side effects are apparent usually uh, before the benefit of the medication. So that's another big, big factor in adherence to antipsychotic medications. Thirdly, uh, it's definitely very important to recognize that, um, particularly in patients maybe with bipolar disorder, they may enjoy or feel good in a manic type episode or feel that they feel good in that type of episode. And in that manic state, that may um, prevent them, give them barriers to taking or feel like they maybe don't need to take their medication on a regular basis. So adherence rates, if you go look at clinical studies um, on uh, with on patients with mental health disorders are abysmally low. So that's a really, really important thing to remember. Now, there are long-acting type agents that we do have available now, and you may see them used from time to time. There are definitely pluses and minuses to the longer-acting injectable agents. Um, oftentimes, these can be given every two weeks, uh, every four weeks, uh, some, you know, even every month, every three months, again, kind of depending upon uh, the agents, there are different uh, dosage forms out there, but they are a nice uh, tool in our uh, tool belt, but very, very expensive. There's a significant cost associated with them um, that definitely needs to be weighed, um, you know, with the, the benefit to the patient and or severity of the disease state that you're working with. And, you know, what have they tried and failed as far as maybe the less expensive uh, oral options of medications? So, got to remember to assess patient adherence in any patient that is not responding um, to an antipsychotic medication because they very well may not be taking it or may not be taking it appropriately as they've been uh, instructed to. I think that wraps up today's episode of the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please feel free to uh, leave a comment, leave a review, um, rate the show on, on iTunes or whichever platform you're listening to. Uh, check out reallifepharmacology.com as well as meded101.com. Really help uh, support the sponsorship there if you take the time to do that. Otherwise, hope you enjoyed the education. Take care and have a great rest of your day.